Hello, everybody. Today, we are working on details of this beef illustration with acrylic inks and acrylic paint. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't take an art class, we've got everything you need here at Artcraft. Critiques, tutorials, professional development, and workshops. We're going to work on really fiddly, detailed areas. In this space, the entire illustration looks like this. And here are my reference photos that I used to put the piece together. And you can see in the full composition, it's very centered on the two faces. And then we have that linear perspective, which I took from the B photo on the bottom. And also we have the surrounding characters. Some of them you can't see very well, but they're little tiny faces surrounding. Let's get started putting some paints out. I know that the highlights are not very good. So we're gonna start with that, with some titanium white. And I'm gonna do little tints of acrylic ink, but I also feel like I need to mix up maybe some, let's try some Prussian blue. <laughs> Although, I don't know, maybe I don't need that much. I'm only gonna do a little swatch but I am going to put down some burnt umber. And I do want some and crimson. Although, oh, my and crimson. Oh, wait, it actually worked. I thought it was all dried out. Okay. Okay, so we're just going to start with those colors. And also, this is called cadmium yellow deep hue. So I'll add some of that as well because my strategy for acrylic paint has very much been about acrylic with a little touch of acrylic ink. So what I'll do, I'll take the acrylic ink and I'll put, let's say a little drop over there and I'll take my white and I'll just add a little touch of that. And so that actually keeps my paint pretty thin, which for me is a much better fit. Let's mix up two. Okay, so we have one that is pretty yellow. Let's add more yellow and let's do one that has like a little touch of alizarin crimson. And I don't use a palette knife when I use acrylics because I just, I paint so thin that it's not really that worth it to do. Okay, so these are the two colors I'm going to start with. White tinted with a little bit of the cadmium yellow, deep, and white tinted with a little bit of that yellow and plus some alizarin crimson. Because I do know I need to really beef up the highlights. It's way too dark right now. Tell me in the chat while I get started, who here saw the Netflix show Beef? Because I, I confess, I didn't really want to see it. My spouse wanted to see it. Because, I don't know, maybe something about the preview didn't look very good. So I wasn't thinking for a while that I'd want to do it. Watch it, rather. But it ended up being really good. Just stuff kept happening. It was so all over the place. <laughs> Today's going to be the, the really finicky things. And this is one thing I do is if I introduce a new color, I'll put it in a bunch of different spots because what happens sometimes is you mix a new color 
and it just feels really out of place. What I'm going to do now, I'm taking a small brush and I dipped it in water. And so this is one way that I blend a little bit. It's just with a wet piece or sometimes I'll take a rag and do that. Yeah, that actually doesn't look very good. Let's try that again. Build that up a little bit better. So there's not gonna be many fireworks today, everybody. It's slow and tedious. That's the stuff I'm working on today. But this is a fun stage because the really hard stuff is done. What I'm doing today is pre-cosmetic. And so it is easier to do because I can really just buckle down on one area. I don't have to worry about doing the whole thing all at once. So the brightest highlight is here on the nose. And I guess up here too, Ali Wong has some really good exceptions in this show. She's so funny. Oh my God. I've never seen her in anything else, but she was really good in this show. And same thing here, my wet brush to get those colors to blend a little bit more and maybe like a little touch. Well, that's kind of nice that turned into a pink. The other thing I want to do now, this is not in the reference photo. So the reference photo, it, it really is straightforward. It's like, okay, highlight shadow, but you can see my shadow is a lot bigger than what was in the reference photo. And so actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to mix up a darkish alizarin crimson. I am going to put a tiny bit of white into it and a little touch of yellow, but I'm going to add something called reflected light. So that's where you have, okay, this is a highlight, there's a shadow core, and there's a little bit of light here that gets reflected. And I just find that little extra bit of reflected light is really, really helpful. It just makes things look a lot more three-dimensional. I'm not going to make that a little more yellow because in theory, this reflected light would be coming from some of the lights over here. Yeah, that's better. I put a little tint of yellow on top. So I got rid of my shadow core. I need to bring it back and I'm going to do a glaze. This is burnt sienna because by adding that reflected light, I did lose a little bit of the shadow core. So now I'm bringing the shadow core back. And this is the glaze. I'm going to add a little bit more water so that it really blends with that reflected light. So it's a minor change, but I do think it helps. Just give a little bit more dimensionality to what's going on there. And you can see the acrylic ink is so thin that it's very easy to put over everything else. I have one more up here. Oh, it's way too, way too light. Let's turn that down a little bit. I was talking to some people in the workshop we had yesterday, which is the clothing and drapery workshop. And one thing that came up a lot was this idea that there really is this almost rocking back and forth when you're making a piece. So you can see I, I put in the reflected light, I lost it a little bit, and now I'm bringing it back. 
that's extremely common where you add something and maybe you add too much, take it away. Maybe you took away too much. <laughs> Who here feels like they have that as part of their work rhythm? I definitely do. So the thing is, if I'm adding a highlight, I, I don't nail it the first time. I, I approximate and then I always have to go back, make it darker, make it lighter. And then I keep going back and forth between that until I find the result that I want. Use my fingers a lot too. You can see sometimes my fingers are really helpful for getting that in. You see, now I got rid of some of the shadow core, so let's bring that back. This is again, this is acrylic ink that I'm doing right now. I might just dab that. My paper towel. Let's see what's happening in the chat. Thank you so much, 10,000 Crows. I so much appreciate your support. Those super chats and super stickers coming, they really, really help us because they add up and they're a significant part of what we get on YouTube. And... Oh my gosh, I didn't even know I did that. Yes, beef up the highlights. <laughs> Manette says, excited because I've been meaning to watch this movie and I love the body horror of your paintings. I think I made it more horror-like than it actually is. But for me, the interpretation is that the characters in this show, they're just so vicious with each other. It's really intense. And to me, the emotions felt like a horror movie, even if the visuals didn't look like that. Although look, there's, there's a couple of gory scenes in there as well. <laughs> and yes, this is a great point from George. Hard to know when you push things too far until you push things too far. I think there is that constant worry that's looming over us all the time. Will I ruin it? And the thing is, the further along you get with the painting, the more nervous you become about that. that oh my gosh, I'm going to ruin it. A consequence is that you end up taking very, very tiny baby steps and you never really take that leap. And you can see here, I did too much highlight and I was able to bring it back. I was able to add some shadows, add more. I really do think paintings are more flexible than we think they are. Who here <clears throat> feels in painting, or actually any artwork, that there is a point where you feel that you can't fix it? You can't, or it's guaranteed to ruin it if you try to fix it. Because I used to have that mentality for the longest time, that, oh, I can't fix it but I've totally changed my mind because I've had enough paintings now that I've been wrestling with that I, I did push through that really difficult stage where you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to suck it up and I'm gonna fix this thing. And it's hard. It's not easy to do those parts. But once you've proven to yourself, oh, yes, I can totally change this thing. It is possible. It does give you a little more faith that, it's okay to make those changes. I mean, ideally you don't have to, but I haven't done any painting where I haven't had to do something like that. Good question from Anna, shadow core. Okay, so in a lighting situation, what you have, this is the brightest highlight, like on the nose, so that's a highlight. And then you have the shadow. But the thing is the shadow is divided into two parts. This is the shadow core. The shadow core is the darkest part of the shadow. And then the third part is the reflected light. The reflected light is not as bright as the main highlights, but it's also a bit lighter than the shadow core. So that's how lighting gets broken down. And reflected light is really hard to see sometimes. You have to be searching for the reflected light. And reflected light 
it's usually not there in a lot of photographs. I mean, unless you have like a really good quality photograph and the photographer is really pushing for that to be seen. Sometimes you don't see reflected light in a reference photo. It just is like a highlight and shadow. Here I'm forcing it. There was no reflected light, but I just added it in there because I think it gives it a little bit more volume. I think it breaks up the shadow from getting really boring. And so for me, I find these really, really helpful. Ivy says, if it's watercolor or gouache, no going back once it's very muddy. That's true. I think watercolor, you do lose that freshness that happens. And you can fix things, but you have to fix the look of it. Like you can't retain the freshness, but it's more like you find another way to fix it. That isn't with that type of language. 7A says, I've reached a point where I feel I can't fix it, but it's because I've lost the will to keep going. That's hard. A lot of people give up really soon. And I've been trying to push a lot of people right now to not do that so much because in the workshops, there definitely are points where people get and they say, Clara, I'm going to start a new one. And of course I'm like, no, <laughs> keep going. And a lot of the times later they say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't stop because I just was at that point where it just didn't look very good. And you want the results, but you're not getting them. And so that's when we stop and say, I don't want to work on this anymore. But sometimes you just have to get through that ugly phase. Okay. I really want to intensify some of this red in here. So actually, let's get out cadmium red. Oh, don't tell me that this got, oh, I hate it when this happens. Like there's so much crap around here that I can't put the cap on anymore. It's really annoying. So maybe what I'll do, although, hmm, maybe I'll do it with acrylic ink. Let's try acrylic ink instead of the acrylic paint. Let's try a glaze. I don't know. It might not be strong enough, but let's just see how that looks. Because it might be intense enough. Let's see. Hmm. Maybe. No, I think I need some of the cadmium red. I think it's the acrylic ink's a little too thin because it's going over a dark area, so it's not showing up very well. Okay, let's try some of the cadmium red. Oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's really startling. Wow, okay, uh, I might just put it down first and then do some type of messing around with that. Okay, so now I'm gonna take my smaller brush. I, I wet the smaller brush and now I'm just gonna push that right around, get it to sink better. And again, here I'm losing my shadow, but I'll bring it back. I think I like that. I, I like that intensity. I wasn't planning on that before, but I have this problem. I make everything way too dark. I noticed that in a lot of my pieces. And so I'm trying to keep the contrast, but also pump up the color a little bit more. So today you're going to see a lot of blending. I do want to have a couple strokes show, but I also want to experiment with seeing the, the blending portion. It's a little tricky because of the glasses. They're, oh, they're such a pain to paint. I like this. I think this is good. It's a little crazy, <laughs> but it's like the show is crazy. 
the show is just so many things happen. And I remember every time stuff happened, I'd be like, what? What? <laughs> There's not a lot of TV shows where I say that. In a lot of TV shows, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. Or sometimes in TV shows, things happen and they're just, they feel a little random. Like they don't make a lot of sense. But the thing about this show is everything that happens, even though it's like crazy, it, it also sort of makes sense just because of the rhythm of the show. And that's one thing I do like about that show is just, it's so nutty. But that's what I love about it. It actually, you know what? It, it reminds me a lot of everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. Not in terms of the plot or anything, but in terms of just how crazy things get. Because that was another movie where I was like, "What?" Every time something happened, I'm going to put a nice blob of red here. This is the spot where I think it's like the most intense red. Got that a lot bigger. Okay, and what I'm going to do to blend that in is some brown acrylic ink. So this is the shadow core. I'm putting it back. And so the acrylic ink is really nice because I add color, but it's easy to spread. It's like a pre-made glaze in a way. And so that's one of the reasons I really, really like it. Because you can do glazing with acrylic, obviously, but I do really enjoy it when it comes to these types of areas. Like here, what I'm doing right now, that's, that's a acrylic ink wash. So I think this is better. At the very least, it, it pumps up the intensity of the colors. I felt like that wasn't really there. I felt like it was really, really dark. So I'm glad to be putting in these colors. I forgot about the forehead. And here, it's starting to go underneath the hair. So I think I'm going to blend that a lot more. Tell me in the chat, who here, if you paint, uses glazes in oil, in acrylic? I mean, watercolor is basically just all glazing. So I'm not sure that one really counts, but definitely acrylic and oil, you will have that. Because I, I feel like I like glazing way more than a straight opaque color i just i don't know i'm so in love with the transparent qualities they're just like really beautiful okay i definitely lost the eyes so i'm actually going to lose the glasses temporarily because i need the eyes to really pop here i think her eye got a little too small actually i probably should go in and fix that okay let's just lose the eyeglasses entirely because I think they're just in the way, at least at the moment. See, lost that shadow core again. Let's bring it back. Yeah, I think her eyes got too small actually. I think I gotta go back. Like this eye got really tiny. So I'm going to go in with the red, wipe out half of the eye, and then I'm going to bring it back. Because her eye is really pronounced here, and I feel like I just totally lost it. So more drawing type effects here. That's probably not enough. I think I'm going to do some Prussian blue. I think the Prussian blue will help bring that back. Just because everything's so warm right now. Ugh, this Prussian blue, it's really watery. What's up with that? Oh no, this is French ultramarine. This one's Prussian blue. So this brand is Charvin. I didn't buy it 
Jerry's Artorama sent me some, but it's it's not great. It's I don't know how to describe it. It's it's better than the Sennelier abstract acrylic inks that I was using. Those are like really thin. I don't like those very much. No, these aren't very smooth. They, they don't feel that good in my brush. Okay, that makes me think I also need to make the other eye bigger because that one's also too small. So let's just go in here, do some redrawing. Oh yeah, that's much better. Gosh, I didn't realize they were so tiny until I sat down to paint. Okay, that's much better. Those are the types of adjustments. They're, they're really important. And especially with the eyes, it's just like one thing can change everything. And let's get this top part a little bit thicker. Ah, much better. Oh, I feel so much better about this. <laughs> because I painted these in such a total whirlwind that I just did not have time for this type of careful evaluation. It's nice to have the dust settle a little bit <laughs> before anything else happens. Yeah, she looks way better. I, I felt like the eyes looked really bad before. And maybe a little bit more brightness in here. I might have to just leave out the glasses entirely for a little while. Let's see. Slate says... I like to glaze, but been lazy about it lately. Do lots of feathering and dry brush. I basically just scrub the brush around until the paint runs out. Yeah, I do a lot of that too. <laughs> the dry brushing really, really helps. And the blending just oh feels so good. <laughs> Anna says, I like glazing in ceramics, but not in painting. Don't like the way glazing obscures the brushstrokes and mark making. I much prefer artwork where I see the hand of the artist. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think glazing definitely, it's its not meant to show the rigor of brushwork. I find it really helpful when I want to tweak a color. So if I'm fairly happy with the brushwork at the top, that then frees me up to just change the color, but not change the brushwork. And so for me, glazing is really helpful for that reason. Cause it's like, it's, a lot of time I don't want to like paint over something. I just want to adjust. And that, that's where I really, really like glazing. Cause you can tweak things. A lot of the times the changes you want to make, they're, they're not that dramatic. And oftentimes it's just a color change that I'm trying to do. Amber says, oil glazing is satisfying. I love the depth you can get. Oh, it's so good in oil paint. It's funny. I spent all my time in art school training myself on oil paint, but I haven't used it in decades. It's just such a pain. And if I don't have like a bona fide art studio, it's really difficult to use at home. And 7A is asking... If I said blending brush to you, what would you picture? Because I get responses to that run all over the place. Blending brush? I don't know. I, I've never heard that phrase before. I mean, it, it makes it sound like it's a type of brush, like a filbert. But for me, it's more not the brush type for blending, but just how I blend. So yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I have seen, who's here has used that? Have you guys seen those? I guess they're sort of like brushes, but they have like a rubber tip. So they're almost like brush shaped spatulas. I, I need to buy some. I'm curious because some people have told me about them. And I don't know, I have to try it, but I'm curious because that's another new type of art tool. And I, I'm 
always suspicious. Like when they come out with a new product, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And some of them are cool, but other things come out and I'm like, oh, that's dumb. So I don't know that term, but it'd be interesting to hear about it. And thank you so much, Anna, for the super sticker. So kind of you to support us. And we also have Ambar who says, I reached that point the other day, flip the canvas upside down helps so much. <laughs> the only time I've done that is if I'm painting faces that are on the side, I always, flip it. Like, I don't feel like I can paint a horizontal face very well. Like, I always have to turn the canvas around. Slate says, I have an old painting that I feel is beyond fixing. People that have seen it seem to really like it, and I'm kind of offended by that. <laughs> that happens all the time, where it's always the piece that I'm not that into that people really like. I mean, like once in a while it will coincide where people really like this piece. And I'm like, yeah, I really like that piece too. But I remember when I was a senior art school, I did a lot of music. I was a classical musician for many years. I played the oboe. And my senior year, we did this senior recital with my roommate. And I remember I, I worked so hard on this one piece, Poulenc Oboe Sonata. It was really hard. And then she and I said, oh, it's a recital together. Maybe we should play a duet. And the duet, we threw that together. I probably rehearsed it twice because we both had pieces that were hard, like the Poulenc, that we really want to spend time on. And it's like, after the recital, people are like, I love the duet. I'm like, what about the pool egg? <laughs> that was really, really funny. So that happens a lot. And that happens with our videos too, that oftentimes I'll have some video that took like no effort and no thought. And it gets so many views. And then the videos that I put a lot of time and thought into don't get the views. It's like, why is the high effort stuff? oftentimes not as appealing as the sloppy things. I mean, videos I sort of understand more because it's different to interact with a video than with a piece of artwork, but I have found that that is the, the, the case. Has anybody seen that? Where it's like the piece you really, really wanted to work hard on and it's like it doesn't get the reception as something you did just to throw together. I mean, this is a social media thing, but I once drew these super crappy pencil drawings of ducks because I was at a pond and I was just doing these little doodles. And it's like, people really, really liked that post. I'm like, I drew these in like 15 seconds. <laughs> Again, that's the social media thing. That's what they're called, Amanda, silicone brushes. So you like them, Amanda. Yeah, anybody who's used those, let me know in the chat. Okay, so Slate says the rubber thing as an eraser, if I just made a mark, that needs a tiny bit taken off. Okay, so Amanda says silicone brushes are great for flat strokes, removing paint, and it pushes paint in an interesting way. Don't give me another reason <laughs> to go to the art store. <laughs> Hello, Icy, and I'd love to hear from other people who are lurking. Say hello and tell me Who's your favorite celebrity? <laughs> Just another excuse to talk about Hugh Jackman. He's coming in the Deadpool movie. I can't wait, you guys. <laughs> it's going to be so amazing. And Sevene says, blending brush thing. People come to me saying all kinds of, saying all different kinds of brushes are the one and only blending brush. That's so weird. I never thought about, like, oh, this brush is for blending. For me, it's always like, here's the brush. I'm going to use it for blending. That's it. Oh, Blue Wolf says using them for oil pastels. That makes so much sense because in the past, I have used clay modeling tools, wooden ones, to scrape away at oil pastels. 
But that makes so much more sense because what I don't like about the clay modeling tool is that it's so rigid that it, it more almost like scratches into the paper, which I don't really like. So maybe I should pick up some for oil pastels because that sounds really, really fun. Okay, so it is like a baby spatula. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, let's get back into this. I still feel like the face is quite mushy. It's still too dark. It's really bothering me. I just, I have such a tendency to want to go dark with everything. And it's like, it just muddles stuff so much for me. That might be a little bit too big. Yeah, I think this, I got a little too big. Let's cut it down a bit. Yeah, that's a little bit better. So I know this stream is not exactly fireworks, but I think people need to see how slow the detail process is and how you're still fixing things, even at this stage. The nose is really terrible. I need to work on the nose. It's really flat. And it's a little confusing because the glasses are actually making the shadow on there. Oh, and I, I totally did not do her filtrum. That's this little thing that is underneath the nose. See, now it's too pronounced. It looks like she has a bleeding nose. That's bad. Okay, let's soften that up a little bit. And the teeth are really bad too. All right, let's get into the teeth. I think the teeth are probably out of everything, the part that's the furthest behind. Because the bottom teeth are actually the ones that are a lot brighter. So let's just try a light glaze. Teeth are hard to paint. They drive me crazy. Like they always look really weird. Beth. It's really helpful to see your process. I almost panicked when you put down that cadmium red. It is quite extreme. And I'll tell you, a couple of years ago, I never would have done something like that. But one thing that's been really good about doing these illustrations is it has pushed me to do more extreme color versions because a lot of these shows have amazing color schemes like this one particular scene that I'm doing it's a really funny scene where they are arguing with each other in their car and then this other car comes by and yells at them and then they together yell at the car <laughs> it's like it's, it's just it's so over the top that you have to love it I mean if, if this is your cup of tea I know it's not everybody's cup of tea Okay, that's a little bit better. I, I do want a little bit of teeth in here. Some separation. And then I'm going to glaze over it to soften. Because I don't want every line to be super pronounced. And I feel like her teeth at the top, they, they look too geometric. I want to make them a little rounder. Teeth are a pain. A little Prussian blue in here. But going back to that cadmium red, if it hadn't worked out, it would have been pretty easy for me to go back and just paint over it. I could have just made it brown again. I guess my attitude now, it's more like, why not? Just do it. Make something that's over the top. So JB says, I'm still trying to figure out oil pastels. I received a set of Sennelier oil pastels and they are seriously creamy. Oh, those are so soft. They felt like, I think Blue, 
said to me, it's like drawing with lipstick. They're crazy soft. So actually what I would recommend, JB, if you can afford it, try to get a set of another brand. A brand that's a good compliment would be Karen Dash. I have some of their oil pastels and there's two things that are a good compliment. The first thing is they're a lot harder, which I mean, not crazy hard, but they're much harder than the Sennelier's, which are crazy soft. And the other thing is they have a much better range of saturated colors. I found the Sennelier's, it's like the colors were really muddy and there's like one or two bright colors in there, but not very much. And so you might consider that because honestly, I don't think I could use Sennelier for an entire piece. I did on a live stream. If you look up Art Prof Renfield, you'll find that stream. But I found them really, really difficult. So probably if I were to do it again, I would do mostly Karen Dash and just like a little few touches of Sennelier. That probably would be a better fit. And by the way, everybody, in case you're wondering, there is an oil pastel workshop coming up March 23rd. That workshop is running. So is Imaginary Landscapes and Backgrounds, Drawing Hands and Feet, Watercolor, and also Color Palettes. So these are all workshops that are running, which means that I keep registration open until the workshop fills or two days before the workshop happens. So if you guys want information on that, the stuff is in the YouTube video description below, or just go to the main page of artprof.org and you'll find all the information there. And we also have Anna who says, I don't understand why so many people are afraid of color. Well, tell me in the chat, okay, who here has had or still has a fear of color? Me, <laughs> for sure. And who here feels like, oh, color's so intuitive. It, it's so easy for me. <laughs> because I think there are people like that. I think you're one of those people, Anna. I think Lauren is one of those people. And Karis, who says, I'm taking an art class at my local community college this fall. Oh, that's so fun. Well, keep us up to date on that, Karasu. I'd love to hear how that goes. Okay, so JB loves color. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it in theory. <laughs> I like seeing it. I, I think my thing is I just don't like doing it sometimes. It just, I don't know. It still feels like an alien language for me a lot of the time. Okay, let's go back and really beef up some of these highlights. I really got to fix this nose. Doesn't look great. I think it's like the shape of it's a little weird right now. So try to fix that. And I think color is very hard to teach. I will say that. I did feel like a lot of teachers are not good, at least the ones I had, at breaking it down in a way that is not too technical, but also is structured enough that you really are retaining something. Because I did a color chart, it was sophomore year, it was my first semester, in the painting department at RISD and it was a stupid color chart. It was just add white, add black. And I didn't learn anything from it. And I remember thinking, what was the point of this? This is kind of dumb because that that's really just value. It's, it's really not teaching you anything about color. And value, I mean, it, it is helpful to do a value chart, but I don't think it's that helpful. And so the, the color chart that did help me was the one that I talk about a lot, which is the complementary colors. That one I think is extremely helpful. So that's an example where it, it is pretty technical, 
and there is a structure to it. But the thing is, the way my painting teacher taught it is he also put it in a context. So, for example, we did the complementary color exercise, but then he had us do a complementary color still life. And that was incredibly helpful because I really felt like he was teaching us how to apply the colors. Because I think what happens a lot is you make the color chart fine, but then you don't really know how to make the transition into like an actual painting. And that's what he did for me that I was really, really appreciative of. I think I gotta just forget about the glasses. I think they're just getting in the way right now. Yeah, I, I think I'll just paint them over later. It's just such a pain right now. I don't know. I just remember when I was in art school, just feeling so confused. I, I just felt like you either had teachers who were just this total like whatever attitude towards color or who were like talking to you like a scientist which I found to be number one, a big turnoff, but also not helpful. It's sort of like when I was in graduate school and they were teaching us anatomy. And I had this one professor, oh, he was so annoying. He was so tactical. I mean, I felt like I was in a medical school lecture. And so he would teach us all these stupid muscles that honestly, artists can't see. They're, they're just not visible because the way anatomy works is there are so many muscles and a lot of them are layered on top of each other. But the thing is, as artists, we don't see the ones at the bottom. They're not visible. So really not applicable at all. And I was just like, dude, you could cut down your curriculum 80% if you just showed us the only things that mattered, but he didn't, he gave us everything. And I just, I was so frustrated by that. So that's why actually when I teach anatomy, there's so many things I don't go over, but it's because I just think that they're not relevant for an artist. Yes, I definitely want my doctor to understand where things are located. Okay, so this is another glaze of brown. I think I'm going to get in some Prussian blue. I feel like it's way too much brown. I think I'm relying on that too much. Okay, so this is Prussian blue. And I'm going to use it to make some of these values a little bit darker. So here's an example where I'm using blue, but it doesn't look like blue. It has the effect of black. And I think that's a big difference. Yeah, I really feel like, I, I know that there is a use for black paint. I just don't use it myself that way. I'm going to do some redrawing. I feel like I definitely, I think I made this a little too wide. So let's go over this edge some more. Yeah, oh my gosh, hurt chin is definitely too wide so let's put that back Maybe that's a little better yeah still not happy with that nose i think it's too much red it's a little bit too i think i need some pink let's see okay so this is some pink I think I need something in between the yellow and the red. And maybe something a little brighter on this side. No, I think I like the cadmium red. I'm going to bring that back. Okay, but that is a little bit lighter than the straight cadmium that I had before.
definitely am missing, like she's getting really soft looking and I don't want that. I want some of the brushwork to get a bit harsher. Oh, and her eyebrow, that's it. Okay, this eyebrow is not severe enough. Oh my gosh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, she needs white. Oh my God, I got to totally redraw that eyebrow. Oh my God, that's so much better. Why didn't I see that before? Oh, that's kind of nice. That's like a sort of a coral pink. That's pretty fun. I'm going to distribute that in a couple more spots. So that, that's another thing I do is if I introduce a new color, I try to make sure I'm putting it in a bunch of places. So I'll just take the color, which is what I'm doing right now, and I'll just stick it in a couple spots, like a little here, maybe some down here at the bottom. And that just prevents that color from sticking out too much. So I find that very, very helpful. I do feel like her expression is getting a lot better. I'm not happy with this brow though. I feel like that brow, everything got a little bit too subdivided. And I don't like that yellow. So let's add a little more white, make the pink a little bit brighter. Yeah, that's more like a bubblegum pink. Ugh, it's starting to get really messy. Yikes. I'm going to bring back that brow. I think the brow is just, it's like, it, it's too separated. But I really want this brow to look better because it's such an important part of the expression. Oh, too much white. Let's put a pink glaze over that. Get rid of that one. Oh my god, this is getting really messy. Oh god, that looks bad. <sighs> come on, come back. going to do some really blunt brown strokes so I don't lose where I am. Oh, and underneath, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. So under here, again, I didn't, because I need this eyebrow to be like very diagonal. Oh my God, that's so much better. Oh, good. <laughs> I feel much better about that now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so much better. Wow. Thank goodness. So it's a lot of back and forth. Trying things and going back and fixing. It's, it's a lot. So actually I want to bring out the shape of her eye better here. And again, I know that's too much, but we'll go back and fix it. I need to bring back some Prussian blue. All right. No, I lost my brush. I don't need it to dry out on me. Okay, let's see what people are saying in the chat. Mike Godin says, I have definitely had a fear of colors, but I'm starting to get more familiar with them. Yeah, so for those of you who have struggled with color, tell me in the chat, what was that moment where you started to feel like, oh, I can kind of do this? Because we all sort of need that moment where we realize, oh my gosh, it, it is doable, like, or there's some like light bulb that goes off in your head that says, yes, this is possible. I think for me, it was 
my professor, my portrait painting from, this is not the same professor who did the complementary color chart, but he just, he explained it so simply and it really, really helped me because everybody else was like trying to do 18 different things. And I was like, oh my God, I can't grasp this. Like I really needed it explained to me in a very simple manner. <laughs> Color phobia. <laughs> Trying to get better with it, but I started in monochrome, so it always felt just too bland. My professor, the one I really liked about color, I mean, there are two that I really liked. He said that people who work in monochrome for a long time before they do color have the hardest time because if you draw in black and white, but you're seeing something in color, you're basically forcing yourself to not see the color. And so if you've been training your eye to do that, and then all of a sudden you're being told, oh, let's really see the color. That's where things get very, very difficult. David says, I have been using the split complementary color chart for my art. <laughs> I'm so glad that that's been helpful to you, David. And JB says, I think it's really hard to teach when everyone sees it differently. I agree. The complementary color painting was helpful. I think it helped me because I started to see the subtleties because I think before I would look at a color and I would just say, oh, it's gray. But the thing is, there are so many variations of gray. Like it never occurred to me that gray could be warm or cool or that there would be a gray that would look a little bit green. Like I never thought about that before. For me, it was just gray is gray. <laughs> and the thing is, once you do that chart, you're like, oh my gosh, there are so many grays and I'm actually seeing them now. Whereas for me, I think before, because I just thought in terms of value, gray was always the same thing and it just would get darker or lighter. But this concept of it having tints of color, that really, really helped me a lot. Amber says, I think the fear comes from keeping the values in coherence while adding different colors. Oh, absolutely. I think color is one thing, value is another. And it's very common people will work on the color so much that they forget about the value. And so one thing I do is like, I'll take the painting and I'll put it into Photoshop or whatever, I'll make it black and white. And then I can evaluate the value separate from the color. So that is very helpful. Or other times you're just so invested in value that you're not really thinking about color. It's, it's hard to do both at the same time. Karasu says, it's ridiculously hard for me to mix skin tones, especially when I have a limited selection of paint colors due to a tight budget. You know something, Karasu, that wonderful professor, he said to us, I remember he said this exact thing, three colors. <laughs> he wouldn't let us paint with more than three colors. So we had white, blue, yellow, and red, the primaries. And that's not to say he wanted us to paint like that forever. He did that because he wanted us to see how much mileage we could get out of three colors. And so the thing about limited paint colors, it's actually a good exercise because it gets you to mix more. You know, if I have like three different blues and I have some pre-mixed green, like I don't have to work as hard. But if you only have three colors, it really teaches you to mix. And that was the value of that assignment. And now I use about two blues, two yellows, two reds, usually a brown. Sometimes I'll add another color, a third blue. For me, it would be cerulean ultramarine, maybe Prussian blue. And I'm interested in trying some other variations on red. I haven't had time to really think about it, but I think that would be really fun. But yeah, color is a really complicated thing. It is not easy to consider, which is why you guys should think about 
the color palettes workshop because colors very much do work as a group. And it is not about getting the right yellow. It's about getting the right yellow that pairs with the red to get the results that you want. So again, we have room in these workshops. These are all running and we do keep registration open until they fill or two days before we have backgrounds, drawing hands and feet, imaginary landscapes and oil pastel workshop. By the way, everybody, did you know that everybody in our Discord gets one free session of Open Studios Club. This is where you get to make art with me in real time. And so while you're working on something, you get feedback in the moment. That's very different than when you show up and post something for critique. And what you guys wanna do, go into Discord and tag me in general and tell me that you wanna claim your free session because everybody gets it and we, we're not doing a deadline anymore. You can just claim it whenever you want and that would be really fun. Please join me in the Discord. Right after this stream, we will meet in post live streams to chat more. Join our Patreon group. This is a great, lovely supportive group of people where you can share your art in weekly voice sessions. You get long, nerdy critiques from me. And most of all, you make art friends. This is such a great group, everybody. Take a look and remember that Art Prof has services, artist calls, portfolio critiques, statement editing, and personal art curriculums. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time. Bye.